A Night Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Rowdy Delaney. Idaho, USA. A Night Out by Edward People. 1. Omar Ben Safi was a cat. This unadorned statement would have wounded Omar Ben to the morrow of his pride, for he chanced to be a splendid, tiger-marked feline of purest Persian breed, with glorious yellow eyes and a Solomon in all his glory tail. His pedigree could be traced back to Padasha Zim Yuki Yazo Zind, a dignity in itself sufficient to cause an aristocratic languor, but to the layman he was just a cat. He dwelt with an exclusive family of humans in a little eighty-thousand-dollar cottage on the outskirts of vulgarity, which is to say, the villa was situated near enough to the town to admit of marketing, but far enough removed therefrom to escape the clatter of plebeian toil and the noxious contact with the unhealthy, unwealthy herd. Here the humans entertained selected friends who came at the ends of weeks to admire the splendor of Omar Ben's tail to bow down to the human's money, and to hate them fiercely because they had it. The master did not toil. He lived, for certain hours of the day, in Wall Street, where he sank his patrician fingers into the throats of lesser men, squeezed them dry, then washed his hands in violet water, and built a church. True, he did not attend this church himself, but he built it. Otherwise, his neighbors might have been deprived of the opportunity of praising God. Omar Ben had a French maid all to himself, a perky little human with a quasi-kinship to the feline race, who combed him and brushed him and slicked him down and gave him endless mortifying baths. Also, she tied lavender bows about his neck and fed him from Dresden china on minute particles of flaked fish and raw sirloin with a dessert of pasteurized cream. In the rear of the eighty-thousand-dollar cottage, there was a thirty-thousand-dollar flower garden, an oppressively clean garden, where the big jack roses were immaculate as Mama's Lizzie boy, and the well-bred, timid little violets seemed to long to play in the dirt, but dared not because of the master rule of form. And here the clean cat used to sun himself in the clean garden, thinking his clean thoughts, and perishing of boredom clean through. Then, one day, from the vulgar outer world came an unclean incident— Omar Ben became conscious of an uproar beyond the garden wall. It embraced a whimper of canine hope, a spitting taunt, and the patter of flying paws. Then, suddenly, on top of the high brick wall appeared a cat. The newcomer paused for an instant to fling an obscene au revoir at the raging, disappointed dog, dropped carelessly down into the geranium bed, and took his bearings. He was not a patrician. Omar Ben eyed him in a sort of wondering awe. The stranger was a long-barreled, rumpled-furred, devil-clawed street Arab, of a caste, or no caste, that battles for existence with the world, and beats it. On his tail were rings of missing fur, suggesting former attachments, not of lady friends, but of tin cans and strings. For further assets he possessed one eye and a twisted smile. His present total liability lay in the dog beyond the wall, so the Arab wasn't so badly fixed, after all. Besides, he owned property. It consisted of a bullfrog which he carried in his mouth, 
with its legs and webbed feet protruding in wriggling but unavailing protest. To breathe the better, the street cat dropped the frog and set one mangy paw upon it. Then, suddenly, he spied the Persian. "'Hello, Bo,' he observed cheerfully. "'Didn't see her. Did your pipe me chase with the yelper? That stilt-legged son of a saw-toothed tyke has had his nose on me rudder post for more'n a mile.' The Persian made no answer, and the Arab continued unabashed. "'It's a hunch that I could have clawed the stuffin' out of him, but I didn't want for to lose me lunch. Say, what's your name?' Omar Ben regarded the interloper with the same glance of refined surprise that the master might have employed when a fleeced plebeian entered his office, demanding to know why the market had slumped in direct contradiction to confidential prophecy. He elevated his patrician brows but gave the desired information politely. My ribbon name is Omar bin Safi, first-born of the second litter of Yuki Zutra and Sultana Yagi Kiz. Here at home, however, I am known by a variety of others, such as Mon Prince de Manier Charmant, Sugar Pie Precious, and— Ah, cut it, snapped the street cat disgustedly. Dem ain't no decent names. Dey's positive ridiculous. Mine's Ringtail Pete, but me friends has reasons for forgettin' de tail part of it when they names me to me face, see? He smiled his twisted smile, raised one paw, and regarded its claws with a sort of humorous pride. The Persian cat said nothing. Ringtail Pete was obviously an undesirable acquaintance. Therefore, Omar Ben held his tongue and became interested in the bullfrog. Curiosity, however, conquered refined reserve. "'What is it?' he asked presently. "'Frog,' said the street-cat, with laconic candor, as he gracefully mauled the subject of discussion. "'I get some over to the frog-pond, up back of Lumpkin's tannery. Have a piece?' "'Thank you. No,' returned the Persian, with a faint smile of his own. "'I've just had luncheon.' Pete shrugged his gaunt shoulders, murdered the frog, and prepared to dispose of it permanently. Omar Ben edged closer. In spite of his polite refusal, the frog fascinated him. Never in all his benighted life had he tasted one morsel which had not been prepared for him on dainty china, but now it was different. Across the geranium bed came a strange, alluring scent, a scent which roused the memory of inheritance, a memory well-nigh washed out of him, and his sire before him, by the bottle-pap of luxury. A memory it was of wild things, to be killed, a bloodlust memory, and now at last it woke in a pampered, velvet-hearted cat. Ringtail Pete was conscious of the other's wistful look, and laughed, for his battle with life had taught him generosity. "'Say, Bo, you don't want to do to bashful, see? Cause me and you is gents what understands de game or chanced. Here, take hold, and chaw off yourself a hunk.' The aristocrat hesitated, then slid down one rung on the ladder of degradation pushed by bloodlust and the strange, compelling camaraderie of the Arab of the streets. It was wrong, he knew, but then there was a certain flavor in this wrong. So, gingerly, he crossed the geranium bed, took one webbed foot firmly between his teeth, and wondered at the thrill of life that sparked and snapped along his spine. Then Pete and Omar Ben tugged and tugged till the clean geranium bed was a comfortable, wholesome wreck. "'Hully gee!' grinned Ringtail Pete. We oughter make a wish. They made it, 
and the metaphoric wishbone parted with a jerk, Omar Ben rolling on his lordly back in the healthy dirt. But he rose and devoured his frog leg to its smallest bone, wishing with all his heart that the frog had been a bigger frog. Then he licked his chops and looked in admiration on his worldly friend. "'Thank you so much,' he began, but the Arab waved formality aside. "'Ah, twant nuttin', he declared, "'and they taste a darn sight better when you're wades for em. "'Say, look a-here. "'You meet me to-night on the top of this here wall, "'and I'll learn you how to wade for frogs.' "'Oh, dear,' began the Persian, "'trembling at the very mention of the outer world. "'Really, Mr. Pete, I really—' Punk, cut in the Arab, dismissing the protest with a switch of his mutilated tail. I won't take na for a answer, and dis here's de way for to jump your wealthy crib. You watch me. He backed away, then took a running start, and made the coping of the wall in a splendid, scurrying rush amid a shower of scattered ivy leaves. On the top he turned and called to the wondering aristocrat. Just wait for me in de moon, me son. "'and don't you forget that frogs is frogs.' "'Once more he smiled his twisted smile "'and was gone into the vulgar outer world. "'He had not waited for a promise from his friend, "'for Pete was wise in his little hour of life "'and left the keeping of a tryst "'with the honor of a gentleman. Two. "'As for Omar Ben, "'he sat in the healthy grime of the garden soil, "'his mind a prey to the poison of glittering promises.' till suddenly a human fell upon him with an absurd French shriek, and bore him away to the lap of comfort and a scented bath. In the bath he yowled, and wept when another lavender bow was tied about his neck, and yet, had Mademoiselle Frenchy observed him carefully, she might have caught him smiling. All day long he dozed and dreamed, dreamed of the vulgar world beyond the wall, for now it seemed to his pampered soul that the pole-star of an earthly cat's desire was frogs. At the human's dinner-time he scorned their expensive fare and sneaked away into the shadows of the garden to wait for ringtail Pete and the rising of the moon. It rose, and as it peeped above the wall there also rose a cautious signal wail, and Pete's one eye glowed green among the ivy vines. "'Hi, Spot!' grinned the owner of the eye as Ben Omar clawed his way to a perch beside him. You're clumb dat wall in a way that make me proud. Now den, we're off. They dropped into the outer world. Omar Ben was trembling somewhat, but tried his best to conceal the mortifying fact, and presently he conquered it. After walking for a quarter of a mile along the country road, they approached the outskirts of the town and began to cross it, employing unfrequented paths. They traversed an alley, black and reeking with nightly smells, pausing at last on the verge of a lighted street, whence rose the sound of human mirth, bits of vulgar song, and the barking of vagrant dogs. "'Shh!' cautioned Ringtail Pete. "'You wait till I counts de tree. Den make a rush for de alley across de street. See?' "'But why?' asked Ben Omar, wondering. Pete sniffed in scorn of the uninitiated. "'Well, never mind why.' You do like I tells yer, or you'll get your eggercation with a brick. Now den, one, two, tree, hump it, Bo. They humped it, making the other alley's mouth by a margin slim indeed, followed by human howls and a clattering volley of sticks and stones. Good gracious, the Persian gasped as they streaked through the alley's filth. What are they? Boys, grinned Pete. 
The town is getting fair congested with em. But tain't nothin', son. It's just a parter to game o' life. Come on. The way was easier now, and they journeyed without alarm. Presently Ringtail turned to his friend with his twisted smile. You see that lady sittin' there on the gatepost? Well, that's me steady. I'll introduce her in a minute. The lady in question was a thin, dirty white cat with bold eyes and a brazen bearing, and Omar Ben was doubtful of her caste. Thank you, he murmured noncommittally and hurried on, but the meeting was unavoidable, for the lady crossed the street and stood directly in his path. Hi, Mame, said Pete in cordial greeting. Shake hands with me friend. Mr. Er. Ah, Hill. Shake hands with Bo. Omar Ben had never seen a lady cat, and his ideal of the sex was something modest and retiring. Miss Mame was not retiring. She greeted her friend's friend without the courtesy of a mister, looked in open admiration at the handsome gentleman, and asked if he were single. The aristocrat murmured a commonplace and edged away. At the slight, the lady took umbrage, spat warningly, and showed her claws. Till Ringtail Pete averted the trouble by a generous display of tact. Now don't get phony, Mame," he remarked in a gentle whisper. "The gent's all right. He's just young, that's all, and I'm going to learn him. See, you chase around for Lizzie, and if the girl ain't got no other date, you can meet us here about moondown, and we'll bring a brace of frogs. So long, Mame. Remember that I loves yer. With a partly mollified sniff, the lady returned to her gatepost, and the two adventurers went on. They came to the evil-smelling tannery and to the frog pond just beyond it, stretching cold and still in the moonlight and covered with a noxious, slimy scum. It was horribly different from the Persian's usual baths, but once in, he forgot its chill in the lust of the hunt. They waded and swam and scrambled along the shore. Ringtail pointing out that frogs were wont to crouch close down to the water's edge in the shadow of some bush or vine. "Dere's one," he whispered. "Now sneak up, son, and grab him." Quivering with suppressed excitement, Omar Ben sneaked, but mistook the especial frog to which his friend had reference. Instead, he pounced upon a big yellow-throated beast weighing a pound and a half and known colloquially as a sockdolager or a jugger room. There followed a scuffling rush, a grunt, a startled yowl, and a swirl of water. Then Ben Omar came up coughing, minus his frog, but plus an overcoat of mud and disappointment. Great snakes! Yelled Pete. Ain't yer got no gumption tall? If I had known yer wanted to eat a cow, I'd a took yer up to the slaughterhouse. Go for the little ones, Bo. You don't gain nothin' by bein' a hog. Take it from me. It's straight. Bo went for the little ones. He had learned his lesson of experience and profited thereby. He made his virgin kill and devoured it, squatting in the muddy pond, while around him rose the voices of the wild things of the night, and never had a morsel tasted sweeter to his pampered tongue. And so the hunt went on, a never to be forgotten hunt, when crawfish nipped their tails, when insects preyed upon their eyes, and they dripped with the sweat of joyful toil. Then, presently, the friends stretched out upon the bank, weary and replete. Say, Bo, said Ringtail, after a restful pause, what do you say to a nip? A nip? asked Omar Ben in astonishment. What kind of a nip? Why, catnip, your bloomin' bladderskite. What do you think I meant? A corner at a moon? I'm talkin' bout just straight catnip. 
Are you on? Yes, certainly, returned the Persian gravely. I am on. On the homeward-bound way they turned into a lane, and came to a clump of catnip. True, Ben Omar had tasted the herb before, but dry, and in five-cent packages, which was different from the pure article, direct from nature's still, and exuding its sharp, intoxicating breath. Pete and Omar fell upon it greedily, rolled upon it, wallowed among the scattered leaves, and chewed and chewed until their senses swam in a spirit-dance of ecstasy. Then, after a nap, the two reeled homeward down the road, Pete smiling his twisted smile, and Omar bin Safi wrapped in the comforting belief that he was singing tunefully. "'Say, R.T.' the Persian chuckled happily. "'What did you say was the name of your lady friend's other friend?' "'Lizzie,' answered Ringtail Pete, astounded at the tone of familiarity. "'And take it from me, she's white.' "'In color, do you mean?' "'Nah, in disposition.' Outside she's kinda striped, but inside de lady's white. And don't forget it, Bo, she's de owner of four good sets of claws. Thank you, said Omar Bin, airily. I shall endeavor to remember. Come along, R.T. Pete objected somewhat to this pointed abbreviation of his name, but forgave his friend on the grounds that he was drunk. So the two went on and sought their rendezvous. The ladies were waiting, seated expectantly on their gate-posts but descended at Ringtail's call, and the swell gent was formally introduced. Miss Lizzie seemed to like him immensely, and the two progressed so well that Ringtail Pete stretched his single eye to its utmost capacity, cursing softly at his friend's unprecedented cheek. For Omar Ben, thanks to his nip of catnip, so far forgot his strained reserve that Miss Lizzie herself said afterward to her friend in confidence, I never see such a forward gent since you and me was a couple or half-drowned kits. The flirtation, however, was short-lived, for suddenly, without an instant's warning, Miss Lizzie, Miss Mame, and Pete himself went clawing up a water-pipe to a convenient roof above, while down in the street came floating a shrill, defiant yowl. "'Chase yourself, Bo,' called Pete in a voice of fear. "'It's Ashcan Sam!' Now, Ashcan Sam had a reputation of his own, as every cat in the neighborhood could testify, with sorrow and with tears. He weighed eleven pounds. He kept himself in training, and where others lived for love, or wealth, or art, Ashcan Sam existed for a finish fight alone. At the present speaking he came swaggering around the corner, and paused in astonishment at the sight of a stranger sitting in the middle of the street. The insolence of it! It was past belief. "'Oh, please, Mr. Bow,' wailed Lizzie, wringing her paws as she perched upon the roof. "'Do hurry while you got the chance. He'll rip you something terrible. For my sake, dearie, won't you slope?' "'No, not upon your life,' called Omar Ben gravely. "'I do not demean myself by retreating from any cat alive.' This statement was fat with brave audacity, but lean in the matter of discretion. So Pete leaned down with one last friendly whisper of appeal. "'Why, you chowder-headed ass! He'll make your look like a mothette flannel shirt. Beat it!' But the patrician declined to beat it, and Ashcan Sam edged a little closer, wearing a desolate, wicked leer of joy. He circled slowly around the stranger cat, eyeing Omar Ben's glossy coat and humming a sort of vulgar chant. "'Ain't it a shame to claw up Mommer's sugar pet?' and hurt his nose, not so, but yet. Oh, ain't it a shame! 
Omar Ben regarded the bully in calm scorn. "'You disreputable beast,' he said. "'Shut up!' Sam, in no uncertain terms, stated his unwillingness to shut up, and the conversation became personal. "'Your blink-eyed yard of silk! I'm going to turn you cat out of the skin, and sell your tail for a fancy dust and brush!' "'Bosh! You'd run from a pet canary!' "'You're a liar!' "'You're another!' "'So's your pa, and so's your mother.' <laughs> "'Zip! Yowl!' And the battle was on. "'Oh, dear!' mewed Lizzie tearfully. "'And Mr. Bow was such an easy-mannered gentleman, too.' Subconsciously, she was already referring to the foolish Persian in the past tense. Yet, in view of probable results, and in the stress of such violent circumstance, her anti-mortem sorrow might at least be pardoned.' Omar Ben had never had a fight, and yet the memory of inheritance had waked within him, revealing other traits besides his yearning for debauchery and frogs. So now he squared himself and uncurled his velvet toes. Ashcan Sam crouched low and came in with a headlong rush. Omar Ben sidestepped and raked him with a stiffly extended paw. It was a good rake, and there was fur upon his claws. And blood. Hully gee! breathed Pete into Mame's convenient ear. Did your piped-away bow uppercut him? Gee! Ashcan Sam was wounded, not so much in body as in pugilistic pride. He turned to wipe away the stain, and, incidentally, to wipe the earth with the body of a foreign cat. This time he came in, swearing, and the two cats reared upon their haunches with the shock, then fell in a tangled, rending, yowling snarl. Omar Ben, by instinctive craft, sought for a point of vantage underneath his foe, a vantage because, when lying on his back, he could claw straight up with all four feet, and the greater the weight of the chap on top, the greater his woe abdominally. This point of vantage, however, is difficult to hold, with two most earnest gentlemen desirous of it, and so they changed positions, changed so rapidly, in fact, that their bodies resembled a sort of pyrotechnic pinwheel, whose centrifugal sparks were composed of eyes and claws and tufts of fur and cat profanity. Also, it lasted longer than the ordinary pinwheel, and was a trifle more uproarious, but it died at last with a sizzling spit, and a lean black streak shot out toward the haven of an alley's mouth. The streak was Ashcan Sam. Omar bin Safi sat in the middle of the street and wondered. He had thrashed something, and he didn't understand it. So he just sat there, quivering, bleeding, battered, but a conqueror. Ringtail Pete endeavored to express himself, but emotion half choked him. Therefore he spat fervidly and said, Hully gee! Then he and the ladies descended from the roof to walk in silent circles around the champion, regarding him with a species of cataleptic awe. Presently, however, Pete came to earth, extended his paw, and delivered himself to an established truth. Well, dang my hide, but it takes her aristocrat for to glitter in a scrap. They escorted him all the way to his $80,000 home. The ladies kissed him, both of them, and helped him to clamber weakly over his garden wall. He turned to Ringtail with an easy, aristocratic smile. Au revoir, R.T. Those frogs were most delicious. Hully gee, breathed Pete, and disappeared through the dusk of the outer world. 3. Now, in the $80,000 cottage, black sorrow reigned throughout the night. 
there were tears and linguistic prayers. There were tinklings of little bells, while humans called shrilly to vulgar officials along the wires. From a mass of incoherence the officials learned that some evil-hearted ruffian had entered the thirty-thousand-dollar garden and stolen a priceless cat. Thus the outer world went hunting. So great was its zeal, so great was the offer of reward, that it captured every cat in town, with the one exception, of course, of Omar bin Safi. This particular hero was found the next morning, asleep in the geranium bed. So they bore him in, while weepings burst forth afresh. And well they might. Poor Omar bin was a sight to awaken pity, even in the stoniest of hearts. The number of his hairs could be counted, almost, by plus and minus tufts. One eye was closed. The splendid tail was bent in several angles, unrecognized by the rules of art, and he smelled of the outer world, horribly. His mistress expressed her grief in a noiseless, refined whimper of despair. The French maid shrieked, and called on heaven to witness the devastation of her every hope. But the master, who had lived, in spite of his Wall Street training, laughed. "'Nonsense,' he said. "'You are squandering your sympathies upon a shameless prodigal. The beast has had the time of his life by George.' "'Oh, Charles, how can you?' wailed the mistress of the priceless cat. "'Can't you see how the precious child is suffering?' Again the master laughed, laughed brutally. "'Of course he's suffering, my dear, but look at the smile on him.'" End of A Night Out by Edward People Read by Rowdy Delaney For LibriVox.org